Welcome to Leading Lights. You're about to hear a message from Lighthouse Church in Jersey. If we can, I would like us to imagine for a moment. I've never been in the army and I've never been deployed, but I just feel like God gave me this, uh, this illustration to help us and me to really get the point and the application of what I'm going to speak about today. So if you will, I want you to imagine a soldier who is trained and experienced. He's not deployed in country. He is at home with his family. He's dressed in a t-shirt and shorts and flip-flops. He's relaxed, right? He is He's not so mindful of what's going on about him. He feels safe. Um, but when he goes and is deployed, I want you to imagine the difference that there is in that person because he becomes a different version of himself. From when he's at home, maybe he's a British soldier and he's at home with his family, to when he might deploy wherever it is around the world, suddenly his context is different, his awareness of his context is different, and as a person he is different. And I want to explain to you why he's different. Because he's not dressed in his t-shirt and shorts and flip-flops, mooching on the couch or looking after his children. He is dressed in his combat fatigues. And he is on base. He knows that essentially nowhere is completely safe. So there's always an element of his guard that is up. Now, when he wakes up in the morning and he knows that he is going to get flown by helicopter out on a mission that day, he's thinking about that. When he wakes up and he gets dressed, his mind is, there's a switch this is what I want you to get. There's a switch that is getting thrown in his heart and mind where it becomes like showtime or game time or something changes as he puts on his boots. When he picks up his kit, when he grabs his rifle, he knows that that is meticulously cleaned, that it is armed, that he has magazines full of ammunition. When he puts on his kit, he checks that it's snug, that it fits correctly, that everything is in place as it should be. His senses are tingling. He has to be on point. He can't afford to be apathetic. He can't stroll out in his slides. He is focused. He is aware that there is a war going on. And you know what? He wants to go home to his family. He wants to live through that day and come back uninjured. He wants all of his colleagues to do the same. So he makes sure that everything is tip top, that his radio is working. He knows what his mission is for that day. He's completely informed because when his boots touch the ground, he doesn't want to guess. 
He wants to know what his part is. He wants to know what his colleague's part is. He wants to be in constant communication with his base and with his commanders. They have cameras and they're watching the, the field as it's all happening. It, it's, it's orchestrated. There's training that has gone into this moment. There is, fe there is fear that is healthy, that gives him a healthy respect for en his enemy, but his courage is there. He is fighting for his life. I want you to see the difference. It's the same man, right, who maybe a few days before was sat at home with his wife and kids, sipping tea on the couch, now is in country and is facing an enemy who wants to kill him. And he is the most alert and prepared and ferocious version of himself because he can't afford to be anything less. He can't be apathetic, otherwise he will not be going home, right? Can you see the difference that I'm trying to illustrate for you here? It's the same person, but his mindset changes the minute he puts his kit on. Something happens in that time as he's getting dressed where he focuses himself where he sees the day ahead, when he tries to imagine the scenarios and how he's going to respond, he's ready. He's running through all the options. His kit is clean. It's perfect because when he hits the ground, he wants to win. He doesn't want to lose. This week, we celebrated Liberation Day as we do every year. It's an important date in the calendar of Jersey, if you know the history of Jersey. We celebrate our liberty from captivity. And we remind ourselves how grateful we are for the sacrifices of all of those who won our liberty. But, let me just say this now, speaking for myself, I think that we think the war is over. When we celebrate Liberation Day, there's an ease about us. We don't feel threatened as if there are enemy forces on the streets because we're remembering back to a historical moment. And there's an apathy in our lives because we don't fear conflict at that point. But can I please say today, we are at war. You and I are at war. And as I speak today, I'm going to help you understand how. Because you and I wake up in the morning, we open the curtains, we have our plans, unrestricted, no contact uh, expected. And we're missing, actually, there's a war going on. There's a war going on in our homes. There's a war going on in our streets. There's a war going on at our schools. There's a war going on at our workplace. There's an enemy who is fighting us. And I suspect we get up, put on our shorts, put on our t-shirt and our flip-flops and we're A-OK. -okay. But we are unaware of what actually is happening. And so today, my, my goal is that our eyes will open and we will become a different version of ourselves. We will become a fierce fighting machine because what we see in our physical world
depends on the outcome of the skirmishes in this other war that I'm talking about. We must wake up. I'm speaking to myself. We must wake up because apathy is putting us at risk. And we've become dumbed down to the, uh, the spoils of this war and what is involved. So let's read together if we can. We're reading from Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 10 uh, or 11. It'll come up on the screen. Paul is writing to the church in Ephesus. This is what he says. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood. We're not fighting bullets and hand grenades and mortars. We're not on a, a battlefront that is lined with barbed wire with an enemy in a trench in front of us. No, this is different. This is a constant war. This is a constant war for something more. Our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, when you read the word therefore, it's therefore a reason. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you have done everything to stand. Stand firm then, with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert. Everybody say, be alert. Be alert. Uh, and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. So I want to just speak through a number of things from this passage today. I want to talk about the armor. I want to talk about why, you know, for a long, long time, I was quite ambivalent, if I'm almost honest about this armor of God thing, because it was like little, you know, in my head I thought, well, just put on the helmet, put on the breastplate, the shield, right, I'm ready to go. And it's not that. It's not a little prayer that, uh, it's more than that. It's about waking up conscious of what, it, what is at risk. It's about walking through your day aware of where the devil can come from. It's about being alert, not just in a 30-second prayer at the beginning of the day, 
but my, it's like I'm getting dressed and when I step out the door, I'm in the battlefield. And I'm there the whole day and I'm thinking about why it's important that I have the helmet on. What the point of the breastplate of righteousness is for. Why must my feet be fitted with the... Do you know what I'm trying to say? It's not just a little prayer you pray and then I'm sorted for the day. It's more than that. And so I'm hoping that today I can unlock something for you. So the first thing that Paul says is, put on... Have we got a picture there, Dave, of that British soldier? Can we pop it up? This is a modern day version, okay, if you will, of the armor of God. Put on the full armor. Can you imagine going into battle, leaving bits out because they're a little bit scratchy, you know, or it's a little bit heavy, recognizing what is at, co at, at risk. Put on the full armor of God, not the bits that you like the sound of. It's an all-encompassing thing that we're talking about there. We're not in a physical war. This is where the apathy comes from. Because I can't see an enemy with a gun shooting and I can't hear the bang, 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 I think I'm okay. But actually, as we've been saying through this series, there is a layer behind this. What happens there affects what happens here. You have to believe that, otherwise you're gonna stay in your apathy. You're not gonna find the motivation to do anything different. What happens in the spiritual realm determines what you're experiencing in life. So there might be a war right now in your body. That starts in the spiritual realm. There might be a war going on in the relationships in your family or in your marriage. Look past your husband or wife. There's a realm where this fight is taking place. If you can't get that sorted, good luck with the rest. There might be a war going on in your finances, in your workplace. There are enemies that are opposing you every moment of the day, okay? So we have to be aware of that. Our scripture today talks about the fact that, uh, let me quickly go back, our struggles not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, that word rulers, against the authorities, that's something different, against the powers, that's something different again against the spiritual forces, do you realize that just like in the army, you have officers and ranks, in the spiritual realm, they are organized. They know what their mission is. There is, that word rulers is like the, the Greek word arche, which is where we get our word arch enemy. It's almost like the field marshal, right? Then you've got authorities, which are those who are given the authority by the field marshal, but they're under the field marshal. You have powers. That talks about geographical areas. There are spiritual uh, enemies or forces whose mission is over a specific area. So Jersey will have spiritual forces that are assigned just to this area. Uh, when it talks about spiritual forces, it means evil spirits. It means supernatural forces or foot soldiers. Do you know what the devil's biggest goal today is? Is if he can think, get you to think that he doesn't exist, man, he's sorted. If you don't believe in the power of the devil, he's winning big time. If you don't believe that he has forces that are assigned against you, half the battle is won. 
and he's walking all over you. Are you happy with that? Are you happy that the devil is interfering in your health? Are you happy that he's interfering in your family, in your finances, in your marriage, in your workplace? He's there, taking every opportunity that he can. But we will overcome him. Amen? If we are awake, if we can take our flip-flops off and get our head in the right place, he goes on to talk about how we are called to resist, to push back. We are called to stand firm. We don't get pushed back. That's not what God has purpose for you and me. We are the force that pushes back. But we have to find the fight inside. Amen. First uh, Peter 5 verse 8 and 9 says, Be alert and of sober mind for your enemy. Who's that? The devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Is that you today? He's looking for someone. I want you to become so aware of what's happening in the spiritual realm because you're too used to looking with your physical eyes. There's more, there's more. This is real. And then he goes on to say, therefore, let's get dressed for war. You know what my, my, my deepest desire today is that the war machine would come out of you. That fighting soldier would come forward. It doesn't matter if you are a male or a female, if you are slight or well-built. You know, in God, you have the resources of heaven at your disposal. That, that means it doesn't matter who you are in the physical. Because who you are in God's eyes, with what he has given you, empowered by the Holy Spirit, transforms you into a destructive member of his kingdom. And our goal is to tear down the kingdom of Satan, to push back. You know, to, the Bible says that when Jesus rose again, it talks about how he made a spectacle of the kingdom of darkness of the devil. And that is our goal. Our goal is not to get slapped left cheek, right cheek all day. Our goal is to make a spectacle of the devil. And I don't know if you've ever thought about yourself like that. That's who you are. Let it come out in the name of Jesus. So let's talk about the belt of truth. What is important about a belt and how does truth apply here, right? In the old days, the belt, I think, used to be wrapped around certain garments. It used to hold things in place and it used to cut. Other versions say, gird your loins, right? I'm sure you can understand what that's talking about. Even if you look at this picture here, you can see that there's part of his uniform to protect below the belt line. The Bible says, put on the belt of truth. Truth is central to absolutely everything we understand about God, to what we believe in him, and to how we see his will being achieved in our lives. Can I please say it again? We believe that the only substantial truth that crosses all cultures, all generations, all time is God's 
truth. If you are allowing other truth to get inside of you, you are losing the fight. God's truth is key. If you don't know what it is, it can't help you. Get into truth. If you're living outside of God's plan for your life, and he's even speaking to you now, and he might be saying, this, you know this is an issue in your life, and you've just been dodging it, can I say, step back under his authority, get back into truth. Repent. Repent and get right, because everything depends on you living in truth by the grace of God. Can I say that this, I believe, applies to our sexual conduct? When it talks about girding your loins, I think that it's trying to say something. The belt is there to hold your trousers up. Sorry. I don't mean to be facetious, but I want to make that point. If you're being tempted, tighten your belt another notch. Remember, God's truth is going to keep you in a safe place. Sin is stupid. Don't be stupid. No matter how fine it looks, there's always a hook. Stay the way God wants you to stay. Stay in truth, okay? That's the belt of truth. The devil, can I just say as an aside, is the chief of misinformation. You know, there is so much contradicting truth coming at us. We have to know what God is saying and make sure that what we believe he's saying is actually him. If you're not sure, check again. That's what I say. Don't be impulsive. Number two, the breastplate of righteousness. The breastplate covers the thorax, the middle area of our bodies. And the chief most organ in there is our heart. Okay? So we're talking about the heart and we're talking about righteousness. It applies a bit to what I've already said. God's will is for you and I to live righteously. Now, when we get saved, our spirit becomes completely righteous because of Jesus. Right? So when God looks at you, he doesn't judge you because your spirit is vacuum-packed, whole, acceptable. But there's a soul, there's a, there's a human element of who we are that is being saved, if you will, as we live our lives. It's our desires. It's, it's who we are if we weren't flesh and blood. Do you know what I'm trying to say? Our nature, it's just warring all the time, wanting things that we know God doesn't want us. Paul talked about it. I do the things that I don't want to do. Why? There's a war going on for your soul, not your spirit. Can I just say it's different? Soul is different to your spirit, is different to your body. Okay? Three elements, if you will just stick with me. Your soul is being transformed day by day into the glory of God. God is calling us to live righteously. That means a condition acceptable to God. It's talking about integrity. It's talking about purity of life. The way we conduct ourselves is important. And chief in the middle of all of that is our heart. The Bible says in Proverbs 4, 23, above all else, 
above all else, guard your heart. Because it is the wellspring of life, one version says, or everything you do flows from it. You know, it's just like super fertilized soil. If you drop flower seeds, flowers will grow. If you drop weeds, weeds will grow. It's, it's not right or wrong necessarily, it's just fertile ground. But the problem is there's a nature in there as well which wants the things that oppose God. So we have to guard our heart. You know, there's a phrase that I've heard a few times, the heart wants what it wants. The heart wants what it wants. Have you ever found yourself wanting something it shouldn't want? And you're tempted to say the heart wants what it wants. <laughs> please, please, that's childishness. Grow up. I'm speaking to myself. You know, in a moment, we can feel all captivated by our emotions. We might want to run after something, but actually, you know what, who makes the decisions? It's not your heart, it's your brain. Exercise your will over your heart. The Bible says in um, Jeremiah, listen to this now, please. Jeremiah 17, verses 9 to 10. The heart is deceitful above all things. You know why it says, guard your heart above all things? Because your heart is deceitful above all things. It's the, the translation of that word deceitful is sly. There's something that comes out of your heart that is so contrary to God's heart for you. You've got to watch that thing. Um, above all things, and it's beyond cure, the Bible says, it's desperately sick. Yes, it wants what it wants. And most of the time, it's what God doesn't want. But you and I are taming our heart like a wild horse and telling it what is acceptable. Even if we feel all gooey about something else, exercise your will. Amen? Uh, who can understand it? God says, I, the Lord, search the heart and examine the mind to reward each person according to their temptations? No. To their desires? No. I reward each person according to their conduct. That's the important thing. What are you doing with those desires? Number three, I have to hurry along. Feet fitted with the readiness. Right. When people go to war, the goal of war is peace. No soldier goes to the battlefront because he just can't wait to die. He wants the war to be over. He wants to go back to his family. Do you remember in the Second World War at Christmas time how they all stopped fighting and they played football together? They didn't want to be there. They wanted peace. They wanted to go home. Conflict is a means to peace in war, in the main, right? Peace is the goal, and it is our goal as Christians. Peace is the goal. We're not fighting to kill, we're fighting to win souls. This war is not for your body, because when you die, that goes in the ground and worms eat it. This war is for your spirit, for your eternal being. And we're fighting for that thing, your spirit. Peace 
God's peace is what we're out for. When we bring the gospel, which is a gospel of peace, we bring peace between men and God, and we bring peace between men and men. The gospel of peace changes our hearts, it brings us into a place of rest before God, and it causes us to interact differently with men. Our goal is not to fight, but to bring God's peace. And that's why it talks about how we need to have our feet fitted with a readiness. Remember what I've been saying about flip-flops. I think a lot of us, if we're honest with ourselves, spend too much time reclined at the couch with our slippers on, rather than with a readiness to bring people to the Prince of Peace. That's what we want, isn't it? Peace in our hearts, peace in our homes, peace in our finances, peace in our bodies, peace in our marriage. The Prince of Peace is where we find peace. And so our goal, when we're dressed with feet that are fitted and ready with the gospel of peace, is to bring the peace that we have. Amen. Number four, the shield of faith. In addition to all of this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Why flaming arrows? Why not spears? This is some of the thoughts that I was going through. Why not just an arrow? You know, because an arrow that's fired and misses just sticks in the ground and it's done. But if there's fire attached to it, it can burn. Even if it misses a person, it can burn a home. And fire is destructive. And fire is a thing that brings fear into our lives. Amen? God, the devil's goal is to bring fear into your life. So, um, James 3 verse 6 says, The tongue also is a fire. A world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body, sets the whole curse of the course of one's life on fire, and is itself set on fire by hell. This is a slightly different application, I think, but I believe that the devil loves to speak quietly into our hearts and ears. In moments when we feel vulnerable, he wants to get us to think the end is near. He wants to breathe fear into our lives. He wants us to panic. He's a liar. When he speaks, that's his native language. Lies, lies, lies. And his goal is to speak lies into your life. And when he lies to us, and when fear begins to rise up inside of us, that's the time to remember that we don't live in fear, we live by faith. God's goal is that we walk by faith. Faith is the thing that pleases God, so it makes sense that if the devil wants us to stop having faith, he wants us to be filled with fear. And so we put up our shield of faith, and we speak to our fears in the name of Jesus. Amen? When the devil is speaking flaming arrows at you, and you feel fear creeping in, stand firm with your shield in place and believe that God is who he says he is. He's good. Believe that you are who he says you are. You're his child. You're an heir of his kingdom. And believe that you have what he says 
you have. All things, all things are at your hand, the Bible says. You are safe. The devil cannot snatch you out of the hand of God. So that helps us keep our feet grounded. Amen. Fear is not God's plan for your life. If you're feeling fear, that's the devil. The devil wants you to feel, feel like vulnerable all the time. But that's not God's plan. The fifth part is the helmet of salvation. The helmet protects our what? Our mind. Our mind. God wants us to have clear thoughts. Amen? When you're on the battlefield, you've got to think clearly. It's one of the things that they try and instill in soldiers. When people around you are losing their heads, they're teaching you to keep yours. Right? When you are feeling outgunned, when you're feeling surrounded, when you're feeling like you're not sure if you can carry on. This is where the helmet of salvation comes into play because it's talking about our, our hope, our future hope of salvation. It's not talking about I prayed a prayer today and I got saved. It's talking about the future when Jesus comes back, that there's an inheritance for us, that we are more than conquerors, that we will overcome, that we should keep going. Keep fighting because the day of salvation is coming. Your mind, fix your eyes on Jesus. Hebrews 12 and verse 2 says, who is the pioneer and the perfecter of your faith. When the world is going crazy and you're tempted to give up, keep looking at Jesus. Amen? And the sixth point that I want to talk about today is the, the sword of the Spirit. Out of all the things that we've been talking about today, they've been like defensive mechanisms. Now we're talking about our weapon. Amen? What is your weapon, your chief weapon against every effort that the devil throws at you? The Word of God. The Word of God. You have to get it in. You have to read it. You have to consume it. You have to digest it because in there you find out who God is. You find out who you are. You find out what you have. And it brings faith into your life. It stirs you to be something that you couldn't be from watching the news. God's Word is everything for us. And the Bible says it's sharp. Sharper than any two-edged sword. It has power to defeat every lie from the devil. It has power to break every curse in the name of Jesus. It has power to kill sickness. It has power to uh, heal finances. It has power to heal your family. God's word in your mouth, that's the secret. You can read it all you like. The key is to wield it. Take it in your hand with a white knuckle grip and swing. Amen? Swing at the devil with the word of God. It's what Jesus did when he was tempted. And don't stop swinging until he's under your foot. Don't give up. And pray in the spirit. You know, it's so important. One of the most important things to a soldier is his radio. 
to be able to communicate with his colleagues, to be able to stay in communication with his commander. And that radio continually is working in the battlefield. Without the radio, please pray. Pray unendingly, in faith, in the name of Jesus. Speak to your commander. Let him give you his mission for the day. Let him keep you focused. Pray for your friends, your family in the Lord. Amen. Thanks for listening. Please visit leadinglightsnetwork.com for more resources and subscribe to our podcasts on iTunes. And please consider supporting this ministry financially by making a donation on the giving page of leadinglightsnetwork.com or lighthousejersey.com.